everyone. Welcome to The Fix. I'm Jan Kabili, your host for The Fix, the podcast that's all about Photoshop, Lightroom, and post-processing. In this episode, I sit down with one of my favorite people in the Photoshop world, Lisa Snyder. Lisa is the author of a whole pile of books, including the Photoshop Missing Manuals, all the way back to Photoshop CS4 and all the way to the current version of Photoshop. She also is the author of a brand new series of books, which she'll tell us about later in the podcast. Lisa's going to walk us through how to avoid making common mistakes that photographers often make when they're editing their photos in Photoshop. But first, I sit down with Lisa to have a chat about Photoshop. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Dan. <laughs> Thanks so much for being with me today. It's great to see you. Thanks so much for having me. It's funny that you and I have to do Skype. We live in the same city to see each other. <laughs> I know, I know. We're probably about two miles away from one another. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, we're just geeks. What can I say? <laughs> Technology makes us cool. That's right. It's cool that there's women geeks, don't you think? It is. It is. Yeah. And you and I are some of the worst. <laughs> we are. <laughs> So you are so geeky, Lisa Snyder, that you've written a bazillion books. Am I right? <laughs> there is a quite a large stack behind me that I have somehow managed to pen, yes. <laughs> I know. And are they, they're mostly the missing manuals. They are all missing manuals. So I write the iPhoto missing manuals and the Photoshop series of missing manuals. How far back in Photoshop have you gone with those missing manuals? I wrote the very first one, which was CS4. Wow. Let me see. CS4 was maybe 2008 or 7. Is that yeah. right? Well done, Jan. <laughs> you, know why, you know why I know that? Because in 2008, I was a staff author at lynda.com, and I had so much uh, freedom to do whatever courses I wanted. So I really dug deep into CS4. So that's why I know that. Ah, yeah. 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 It was released. Well, it was finished at the end of 2008, and it came out uh, very early in 2009. But yeah, that was from a blank page. It was a little daunting, but I persevered. <laughs> That's really great. So, you know, Lisa, I'm so curious, how do you write a really huge book like that? Like, how do you choose what to put in there? Oh, gosh. Well, I like to focus on the practical techniques. So I try to think about what people will really need to do every day of their Photoshop life, not stuff they'll do once in a blue moon, like make steel text, you know, for example. So <laughs> I start by just listing out everything that I want to teach them. And I like to throw in a lot of theory and explain the, the why behind the how that I'm. So you have to do these five steps. Well, why do you have to do those five steps? So then I just break it all down into an outline and, and, create a new document for each chapter, pop that chapter's outline into the, into word and, um, just have at it. <laughs> and it takes a really long time, doesn't it? It takes a long time, but unfortunately O'Reilly doesn't give me a very long time. So we, I think that wrote the first one in about four months, four or five months. What, what is that? That's like a 400 page book? No, it was 800 pages. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. And I do all my own screenshots too. So I do all of the Photoshop massaging of the, the dialogues and I even rebuild the dialogues, make them small so I can get as much text on the page as I can. And I do all the call outs and illustrator and yeah. And what do you do? You have a lot of photos as illustrations or examples, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. And I always try to include a layers panel in every screenshot just to kind of orient people so that they know what their layers panel should look like at all times. Wow. So are those books, the, the missing manual for Photoshop books, are those oriented to photographers or to pretty much anybody who might use Photoshop? 
absolutely anybody. And they're also targeted to beginners as well as advanced users. So they're loaded with tips and tricks and, you know, keyboard shortcuts and, you know, customization options. And it's, it's kind of neat the way, so David Pogue, you know, designed the, the book series. He used to write for the dummies series of books from Riley and he didn't like the titling very much. So he made this new series and the way he designed the missing manuals is that anything that is stepped out, I give like a, a brief little instruction as step one. And then underneath that, I can have like several paragraphs explaining why you're doing that. So if you're an advanced user, you can just skip through and just look at the the bolded, like step one, step two, step three, and skip all the, you know, the verbiage underneath that. But it, it's a neat design that he created. So it makes the book good for both beginners and advanced users. That is really good. That sounds similar to, I just wrote a, a classroom in the book for photographers about Lightroom and Photoshop. And that's what I tried to do too. And I just did that because I think that's the best way to learn. We've been talking with other um, guests on this show about how there are different ways that people learn. And some people like to just hit the high points. Some people want to know all the background, all the why, all the theory. And, and that helps uh, some of them remember better. So, you know, yeah. we have to serve all those people. And um, so you have approached this both from uh, the standpoint of photographers, designers, and other users. Let's talk about photographers and how they use Photoshop. What do you think are the most important features for photographers to really get to know well? Well, I think the most important feature in Photoshop for photographers to understand is that they probably shouldn't be in Photoshop. They should be in Lightroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so take that whole book and like throw it in the <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> well, you know, there's some things you just have to be in Photoshop, you know, to do like, you know, the liquify filter, if you're going to push, you know, pixels around or make decompositing or, you know, super high end retouching, then you definitely need Photoshop or moving things around in your image or deleting big things. Then you definitely need Photoshop. But wow, I just love Lightroom. Don't you, Jan? Oh, I, I think totally you feel love the same it. way. Yeah, yeah. But I also, and I see this all the time when I run into photographers who have been doing this for a long time and learned Photoshop first, they don't want to let go. They love Photoshop and they put so much time and energy into learning it in the first place. So what I tell them to do is, you know what? Go ahead and open that layer or open your entire photo, if it's a raw photo, into camera raw. And then it's kind of like being in Lightroom, right? <laughs> At least being in the Lightroom develop module. True. And it's so much easier to make adjustments there than it is, I think, at least, than to do in Photoshop proper, where you have to know all those secret handshakes. Do you agree? Oh. That's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. And Camera Raw is so super powerful. Even the, the kind of light version we get through uh, the filter menu in Photoshop CC. But I love to use like a negative clarity adjustment with the adjustments brush for skin smoothing. And I love doing my edge vignettes in Camera Raw because, or, you know, Lightroom because it's just so much easier. You've got so much more control over, you know, the roundness and, and the amount of feathering and yeah. But what and what do you do for those guys that are just not going to let Photoshop go? They're like, all right, fine, Lightroom, but I'm going to do my photo enhancing or adjusting right here in Photoshop. So for those guys, how do you advise them to proceed? Please use layers for the love of Thor and all that is holy in the Star Trek universe. Use layers. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> for yeah. all that is holy in the Star Trek universe. <laughs> Terrific. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Layers, Layers, yes. Just, yeah, you know, it, they build in so much editing flexibility in your, you know, document. So if you, you know, accidentally remove a sacred mole, then you can get the darn thing back. Or if you go too far in, a, in your teeth whitening, then you can back off of that and et cetera, et cetera. 
So you're not just talking about adjustment layers, like a levels or curves adjustment layer. It sounds like you're also talking about other kinds of extra layers, like, like what? What would be another example? Like using empty layers to do your healing or cloning or even some of your content aware, uh, scooting, as I like to call it, instead of moving. (laughs) 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 That's all the tools are really good for. It's not content aware move, it's content aware scoot. (laughs) So yeah, I like to do every level of retouching on a separate layer because you just never know. And I like to have flexibility, mainly because I'm lazy and I don't want to have to start over. Basically, it. I think that's right. And then the <laughs> other thing is, once you go to all that trouble, you have to remember to save that master file in the PSD or TIFF format so you keep your layers, right? Right, exactly. That's a great point. I've seen so many photographers, even if they do edit on layers, separate layers, then they'll just flatten it. And I always just pass clean out when I see that. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of crazy. It is. So, do you, and what, what other tips would you give for photographers? Oh, gosh. For example, new features. I keep seeing these new features flash by and I'm like, oh, but my brain is full, you know. But I bet there are some new features that are particularly wonderful for for photographers. Do you know of any? There really are. I'm really digging the new focus area for creating a quick selection of whatever is in focus in the image. So if you're doing any kind of swapping backgrounds or, you know, any kind of creative stuff like that, then you're going to have to create a selection. And that focus area does a really good job of just doing an initial selection of what's in focus in the frame. And then it's got a, a nice little button that goes straight to the refine edge dialog box where you can do, you know, more precise refining of the selection, especially if you're dealing with hair and fur. So that focus area I'm digging. I also, I love those, um, the blur gallery filters. Those are really neat for adding motion to your images after the effect or, you know, after the shot or, or any kind of shallow depth of field and tilt shift effects. So I like those blur gallery filters too. Those are fun. And they just added some new, uh, like a kind of a spinning blur. Is that what it's called? They did. Yeah. yeah. Spin and path blur. And path blur is interesting because you can actually control the direction of the motion and the speed of the motion that you're introducing. So for example, if we had Thor flying across, you know, an image, we could use the path uh, blur filter to make him look like he's dropping out of the sky. So falling down, or we can make him look like he's zooming across the frame. So it's, there's a lot of creative possibilities with that new path blur filter. Oh, that's fantastic. So that brings me to the point that these features are pretty new. And I'm always urging people to be sure to update, you know, be sure that you go up to that creative cloud icon if it doesn't automatically tell you and get the latest and greatest version. Where are we now and what version are we of Photoshop now? We're on the second release of Photoshop CC 2014. That's hard, right? I mean, (laughs) it it is difficult. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's called officially what? Photoshop CC 2014. Yes. And then how do we know it's the second release? We have to look up under the, what is it? If you're, When you're in Photoshop on the Mac, you click the Photoshop menu, then about Photoshop. And let's see, it's the 2014.2.1 release. Oh my goodness. Yes. Well, that's a very good tip right there that if you don't know what version you have, <laughs> <laughs> you always can find out, at least on a Mac, by going to the Photoshop uh, menu at the top. And is it the edit menu on a PC, do you think? I think it is, yeah. And choosing about Photoshop. Is that yes. what it is? Yes. And then you can also tell what version of Camera Raw you have from, from near there. Is there also an option there for something like, I don't have it in front of me, um, choosing uh, Photoshop and about plugins. Is that right? 
Yes. So the same menu. Um, so just underneath the About Photoshop menu item is the About Plugin items. And you can just click on Camera Raw and it tells you what version you're running. Brings up a little splash screen. And so I think, you know, I know some photographers that just don't like change. And they're like, I already have Camera Raw. I, I'm like sick of this. I'm busy. I don't want to keep updating. Why should people update? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you know, the upright feature which is good for fixing like geometric distortions and perspective problems. I thought, well, who would want to use that? You know, I, I typically don't shoot that many landscape shots of buildings, but I can't believe how often I use it. So if you, if you shoot anything that's got lines in it, then that feature alone is incredible. And I believe that's in the lens correction panel of, um, both the new version of Lightroom Man and, and Camera as well. I love the, uh, that we can now drag with the spot healing brush in camera raw you used to didn't be able to do that and i love that radial filter i like to use that for uh, either darkening the exposure outside of the the ellipse that you get when you use that filter and letting so like a, a little bit of a brighter exposure beyond my focal point and the rest of the screen a little bit dark but you've got much more control with that radial filter than you do with like the the post crop vignetting option. So I love using that. And those two things came along, you know, not that long ago. Oh, and, and sensor spots, you know, uh, it happens, you get, you know, dust on your, on your sensor and your camera. And not too long ago, camera and Lightroom came out with a, it's a visualized spots checkbox. So if you click on the spot healing brush or spot removal brush, rather, then if you peek at the bottom of the interface, you can turn on that visualized spots and it gives you the equivalent like a threshold slider. So it turns your image really into a negative and you can see the spots because, you know, how heartbreaking is it, Jan, to spend money either on your own printing at home or having your, you know, online lab print a photo out and then you see sensor spots. So that's a real neat thing, too. I do love that. I love that too. You know, there's one other thing I really like in Camera Raw. I know that you know about this, but now if you use the radio filter, which lets you correct in an oval or circular pattern, you then can come in with another brush. I believe it's called the filter brush or something like that in mm -hmm. Camera Raw and erase so that you, so that you can kind of shape your adjustment that you've made with the radio filter or with the graduated filter, which adjusts in kind of a linear pattern. And I find those or that filter brush so useful. For example, let's say you have a picture of the Eiffel Tower against the sky and you want to fix the sky. So you could use a graduated filter in Camera Raw um, to get the look you want for the sky. And then you could use the filter brush to erase that look from the Eiffel Tower just the part that's sticking up in the sky. And it's so great. And you know what, Lisa? You know this. Lightroom doesn't have that yet. Only Camera Raw really? has that. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's naughty. I know, it's naughty. <laughs> and usually, usually the two are in sync, that the right. features in one are in the other. But I guess it doesn't always happen exactly at the same moment. So Interesting. Yeah. I did not know that, Jan. Thank you. You always teach me something when I get together with you. And so do you. And speaking of that, Lisa, <laughs> I know everyone's waiting to have you teach us something really wonderful. Um, so would you be willing to share your screen and show us a tutorial or two? Sure. I would love to. Thank you. I will do that right now. So what I wanted to share with you today is some common mistakes that uh, are likely happening in your Photoshop career. And the first one I wanted to start out with is just to reiterate how important it is to be doing all the different layers of editing, if you will, on individual layers. Case in point, so we've got this beautiful portrait here, and I'll just toggle the visibility eye off on the layers that I created. 
So here's the original image, and you can see that I've got a levels adjustment in my layers panel. So that's my lighting correction there. I've also got what looks to be an empty layer, but if I turn everything off and turn just this one layer on by either Option or Alt clicking the visibility eye, you can see that I've got very little on that layer. So all that's on that layer is the use of the healing brush just to reduce the darkness underneath this lady's eyes. So I'll go ahead and turn my other layers back on. Moving up in the layers panel, I've also got an, uh, what I like to call an empty adjustment layer, a brightness and contrast adjustment layer that I've used simply to get at the blend modes in order to lighten the irises of her eyes. I love doing that on portraits of people that have brown eyes because sometimes they can be so dark. And if you lighten just the irises a touch, then you can see into the eyes a little bit more. And then lastly, I've oh, wait, got... Wait, wait, wait. Oh. I have a question. Sure. <laughs> I always have questions. So that's interesting. You have an adjustment layer where you're not making an adjustment per se, you're simply using it um, with a blend mode. So I, I imagine you could lighten eyes either with a blend mode or with, say, a levels or curves adjustment layer. Why do you choose to use a, a blend mode? So it's fast super duper fast. So all I do is create an adjustment layer and I use the brightness and contrast adjustment layer simply because it's the first one in the list that you get when you use that half black, half white circle at the bottom of the layers panel. It's the first one that doesn't actually change your image. So I just create a, an empty brightness and contrast adjustment layer. Every adjustment layer, as you know, Jan, comes with a layer mask. So it saves me the step of having to add one, let's say, if I just duplicated the image layer and changed its blend mode in order to do the same thing. So just with a quick flick of the blend modes, you know, screen works really well. It's great to lighten teeth, too. Then all you have to do is click the mask press Command-I or Control-I to invert the mask so that it's filled with black instead of white, thereby hiding the lightning from the entire image. Then you just go back in with a, a brush set to paint with white, and then you just reveal the lightning only on the areas that you need it. So it's just a, a fast way to use adjustment layers because they have a mask already, and you can just you know flip the blend mode. It's... Fantastic. Very, very efficient. That's a, that's a great answer. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And then the next layer we've got going on here is just a fill layer, which are kind of like adjustment layers in that they come with a layer mask. So I've just used that to give her a little extra lipstick, and I've also changed the blend mode to overlay and drop the opacity of that. One of the, the big reasons besides building and editing flexibility uh, that layers gives you is that when you do each step of this kind of retouching on separate layers, you can drop the opacity. So if you go a little overboard with the lipstick, you know, ooh, that's too bright. Well, we can just drop the opacity on that. And let's say I go a little too far with the iris lightening, then I can back off of the opacity. Same thing with the healing brush. Anytime I do any kind of lightening underneath eyes, I rarely go above 40% on that because I want the retouch to look realistic and not plastic. So that's just a little bit of the importance about editing on each step of your edits on separate layers. Great. The, ne the next little tip that I want to give you is further to that. When you're using the spot healing brush, the healing brush, or the clone stamp tool, instead of just duplicating your image layer, you want to create an empty layer instead because all of those tools have the ability to sample more than one layer, meaning that when you want to use the spot healing brush, let's say for example, 
In this image, I've used the spot healing brush to get rid of a few of the snowflakes that I felt were distracting in this portrait. If I just redo that part of this retouch again, create a new layer, and then I can come over here to the tools panel and grab the spot healing brush. If you take a peek in the options bar, you've got either a checkbox called sample all layers or you've got a menu called sample. And when you turn that on, that gives Photoshop the ability to look through the currently active empty layer down below where the pixels actually live. So if I wanted to really get rid of those snowflakes here, I could just resize my brush and it's just a quick click. But yet if I go too far and I remove something that I later decide I want to get back, all I have to do is come to this one layer right here, which I would have wisely named spot healing. Then I can just erase that area, you know, to get that part of the, uh, the image back without having to start completely over. So I like to do all of that on empty layers. So the next layer up, we've got the healing brush and I'll just switch to the healing brush real quick and show you in the options bar at the top of your screen. Now we're looking at a sample menu and that's where you can tell Photoshop exactly what layers you want it to look at. And of course with the clone stamp tool, we've got the same kind of menu system. Here's the clone stamp tools options bar. Here's that sample menu up there. And then you can do the same thing with the content aware move tool as well as the content aware mode of the patch tool. So the content aware move tool is, uh, like I said earlier, I like to call it scoot because that's really all you can do. You can, you know, move things around a little bit, but you're not going to move something from the far left in your image to the far right. So for example, if we wanted to scoot this football around, I'd create another empty layer go to my content aware move tool, which is in the healing brush tool set, draw a quick rough selection around the thing I want to move. And then I could be real naughty, Jan, and I could move it way over here. You know, you could try <laughs> move that football. Oh, right. Look at that. Oh, that poor guy. <laughs> right. Right. So what I've done is I've, you know, I've just had a little bit of a cleaner layers panel here. So I'm not duplicating the whole image layer. I'm just creating the, the retouch on an empty layer. And that just makes your Photoshop file size a little bit leaner. That's terrific. You know, and there is one content aware tool that you can't do this with, if I remember correctly, and that is content aware fill. Is that Correct. right? Correct, Jan. So you'd have to duplicate your image later in order to, in order to use that tool non-destructively. Yeah, but the patch tool's got it too. Now the patch tool, uh, the content aware mode, I believe came along in that, was it the first version of CC? Or it could have been CS6. So if we pop over here to the patch tool, to, to reveal the sample all layers checkbox that I've got here, you have to put the tool in content aware mode. So if the patch tool is just a normal mode, you'll notice you don't have that menu. So if you switch to content aware mode, and honestly, just switch to content aware mode and leave it there because it works better than it does in normal mode. You so know, that's now. something that I think is a real gotcha. Uh, one of those things that most people would never find. And I think that we have to try to convince somebody at Adobe to give us sample all layers, even when patch is set to normal mode. What do you think? That would be okay, except for I think the patch still works better in content aware mode than it does in normal mode. So I wish they would just do away with normal mode. I mean, I honestly don't know why anybody would use the tool in that mode. I agree. And when you were using the spot healing brush tool, I also saw that you had to click on content aware mode in the options bar. It was set to proximity mode or something like that. So all these tools, gee, I agree with you. I'd love <laughs> it if they were set by default to content aware. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, the spot handling brush, I do like leaving it set to proximity when I'm retouching skin because it tends to preserve the skin texture a little bit better, Ooh. at least in my testing that it has. But at least that sample all layers checkbox is still there no matter what mode that you put the spot healing brush in. So, you know, so now we've, on this image, we've used the patch tool to get rid of the football, which gives us an opportunity <laughs> to maybe put something a little bit more refreshing in his hands. <laughs> I sure hope he catches that and there's going to be a big mess. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so that tip was all about, you know, using these tools on empty layers instead of just duplicating your image layer. And the next tip that I want to talk to you about is since I've hopefully now convinced you to do all your editing on multiple layers, what happens when you want to use a tool that only functions on one layer and your document consists of a slew of layers? So a lot of people are tempted to gasp flatten or merge their layers which you know completely negates all the benefits of using layers to begin with so I want to give you a couple of alternatives in this portrait you'll see at the top of my layers panel that I have uh, uh, smart filters going on here so I have used the camera raw filter to do a little quality skin softening which I love to do so here's the before there's the after. So how did I create this layer that I could use that filter on? Well, I'm going to go ahead and press the delete key to get rid of that layer. So let's say we're starting with this. We've got a document consisting of five layers. You've got two choices. You can either create what's called a stamped copy of all visible layers. So you just make sure the visibility eyeball is on, on the layers you want to be involved in this technique. And there's two different ways to do this. And what Photoshop is going to do is take all the content on these multiple layers merge that content but onto a completely new layer so your original layers are still intact so you can either press and hold the option key on a mac or alt on a pc and from the layers flyout menu at the top right of the panel you're going to choose merge visible that is option number one and when you do that you get a brand new layer that contains the content on all visible layers. So if you've got a layer that you want, you don't want included in this, you just turn its visibility off. You don't have to delete it. You can also do that stamped visible command with a keyboard shortcut. And Janet is the worst keyboard shortcut known to man. But if you look at your fingers on the keyboard, it's kind of easy to memorize what the, the command is. But it's Shift-Option-Command-E on a Mac or Shift-Alt-Control-E on a PC. And the way I remember the E is eek. What an awful <laughs> keyboard shortcut. <laughs> now, is that the one that's been labeled the claw? I have heard Scott Valentine call it the claw, yes. The claw. But, you yes. know, honestly, I like your first method. It's easier for me to remember. You hold down the option key, and you just go to the layer menu, and you choose Merge Visible. It, indeed. Option or Alt, and choose Merge Visible. I wish the command changed names when you hold down that modifier key, but it doesn't. That's a good it, idea. Nevertheless, there we go. So that's one method to create one layer from many without merging or flattening. So now at this point, I could uh, do all kinds of things. Let's say I wanted to do a slimming effect, and I may have forgotten to do that you know, at the, the beginning of, of the retouching session. Now I've got one layer onto which I can say use the, the free transform tool, command or control T, and then you could come up here to the width in the options bar and type in 98%. It gives you just a touch of slimming. So that's one idea that you would use. Um, another way to create one layer from many 
which works out really well if you want to use a filter like we're going to do for this tutorial, is to activate all of the layers uh, by either shift or command or control clicking them and then trotting up to the filter menu and choosing convert for smart filters. And what that does is it sandwiches all those layers and protectively wraps them into this smart object. And then let's say we wanted to do that skin softening. So we could come up here to the filter menu, choose camera raw filter. And the ability to use that camera raw filter, I believe, came around in CC. I think that was the one of my favorite new features of the first Creative Cloud version. So I'm going to come up to the toolbar and grab the adjustments brush. And then from the panel on the right, I'm going to set all of my sliders to zero, except for clarity. So clarity lets you adjust contrast in the midtones. What turns out, if you specify a negative clarity amount, it'll soften skin. So I've got negative clarity set over here. So I'm going to come over here, use the bracket keys on your keyboard to affect brush size. And I'm going to turn my mask on at the bottom of the camera panel right there. And as I paint, you can see it looks like we're about to have a, a spa day because it looks like I'm painting a, a mud mask on her, on her face. But I like to leave the mask on while I'm painting. And in a very short amount of time, you can just paint across the areas that you want to soften. And usually it goes faster than this. It's probably because you're doing video that it's going a little bit slower. Indeed. It is a bit like slow motion. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Just, just a lot of fun. <laughs> but a negative clarity adjustment is a great way just to add a little bit of skin softening. I like the effects of this particular technique rather than, oh, say, adding a Gaussian blur. I think this method looks more realistic, unless you're looking for that kind of dreamy effect. But you can get there with clarity, too. But it's just such a nice, easy, easy, easy way to do it. And, of course, if you're using an older version of the program, uh, if you're shooting in RAW, you could do this before you brought the image into Photoshop. And, of course, you can do this in Lightroom, too. But let's go ahead and, and call that done when it gets finished drawing there. So when you're finished, you can just go ahead and adjust that clarity uh, adjustment some more if you'd like. I'll just leave it set to negative 50. That works pretty good for this image. And then when we are finally allowed to get back into Photoshop over here, there we go. Now let's toggle the visibility of the filter itself. So there's our before and there's our after. And the benefit of using this uh, smart object method of, of creating one layer from many is that for filters, you get an automatic filter mask. So let's say that I, uh, I've i got a little bit of that clarity adjustment that let's say I don't want visible on some of the areas of fine detail of her face because, you know, like her nose is really getting softened here. Then I could just click to activate that filter mask, grab the regular brush tool set to paint with black because in the realm of the layer mask, black conceals, white reveals. And I could come through here and I could hide that skin smoothing from the areas that I didn't want to apply it in the first place. And a lot of folks get really nervous when you convert a, a, or stack a bunch of layers into a smart object as they say, oh my gosh, how can I get back? How? What if I want to change the cover, color of her lipstick? Well, anytime you've created a smart object from many layers, all you have to do is double click that smart object and Photoshop opens up a temporary document containing all of your original layers. So if we wanted to adjust the color of that lipstick, we could do so very easily 
And then all you do is you choose file save, not file save as, because you don't want to move this document. It's a temporary document that's going to go away. And as soon as I close this document and I go back to my original, now that lipstick change is in effect. So two different ways to create one layer from many without merging or flattening. And that's that stamped visible command or by activating all the layers and choosing convert to smart object or filter convert for smart filters. It's the exact same thing. Wow, that is fantastic. You got so many great tips in that one <laughs> tutorial. I am totally impressed. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen that much in one. So, to, All right, so just to summarize, we, we're probably out of time. So I see you have four separate images that you talked about. Can you uh, remind us the four tips that you talked about? Definitely. So the first tip is to do all every step of editing on a different layer. Um, a lot of times you can get that done on empty layers, but if you're forced into duplicating an image layer, uh, whatever you have to do to do each level of editing on a separate layer. Use adjustment layers whenever possible. Uh, use empty layers when you're dealing with the healing tools, the clone stamp tool, content aware move, and the patch tool, which leads us to our second tip, which is use all those tools on empty, empty layers. And the last one was how do you deal with a multi-layer document when you want to run a tool or use a command that only works on a single layer? And that is to, and I'll just open that smart object up again, that is to either option or alt click on the layers panel flyout menu and choose merge visible so that you create a new layer that contains the contents of all the other layers, all visible layers rather, or you can shift or command control click to activate multiple layers and either uh, right click near the layer name and choose convert to smart object or you can trot up to the filter menu and choose convert for smart filters. Fantastic. Now I know that you probably prepared more for today and if you didn't you have more under your belt. So um, Lisa you're so great. I would love it if you would come back to another show and share some more with us perhaps later this year. Um, but for now, I want to thank you, thank you, thank you. You're great, you're fun, and let's go and have some coffee. <laughs> Sounds good, Jan. I'm in. <laughs> All right. Before we go, um, I want to make sure that everybody knows about your latest endeavor. What are you up to these days? Well, I'm up to all kinds of stuff. So I started a new series of ebooks this year in 2014. And if you go to my website at photolisa.com and you hit the books link, then you're going to find all of the books that I've written. And the new books that I've started are these skinny books right here. So they're very to the point. They are step-by-step. Uh, -step. So I've got the Skinny on Photoshop Lightroom. That's about a 300-page ebook. Uh, the Skinny on Photoshop Elements, that's around 200 pages. So they, they vary in their length. But they're all under 10 bucks, and they're a fabulous resource filled with screenshots. And... Yeah. And oh the, my the, gosh, those are great. What a great idea to have small, accessible ebooks that anybody yeah. can just grab and get to and read right away. That's great. Yeah. And then the other super exciting thing is that Macworld.com hired me to write a weekly article called Creativity, so creative electricity on your Mac. And I've just gotten to write about so many fun things. So last week's article was three easy ways to fix a subpar photo. And that article includes Photoshop, Photoshop Elements, uh, Lightroom, and you'll see all kinds of other articles down here, like what Photoshop doesn't want you to know about Lightroom. So that new weekly column is, has been really exciting. Oh, that'll be great. And that's Macworld Online. Is that right? Right, Macworld.com, yeah. Okay. Terrific. Well, so great to see you. Thank you again. 
And everybody, I hope you come back next week for another exciting episode of The Fix. Thanks so much for joining me and my guest, Lisa Snyder, for this episode of The Fix. If you want to see more episodes of The Fix and the other great photography podcasts on the TWIP network, then use the link below to head over to thisweekinphoto.com. And when you're there, please subscribe to the TWIP network so that you can get all the benefits of TWIP membership. And be sure to tune in next week for another great episode of The Fix with my Photoshop and Lightroom master friends.